1: Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons.
0: Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, uh, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfitt-Simmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, thank you for not getting down too hard on me for not doing a show last week, in case you didn't notice I didn't do a show last week. Uh, it was just one of those weeks where too much stuff was going on and something had to give, and it turned out it was the show. I did have a few things set up to talk about, but I just did not have time to get it all together. Uh, stuff was going on. Work stuff and the Inktober drawings, that that was getting in the way. And it's just, you know, whatever. So rather than cobble together something that might not uh, turn into a really good show or at least a halfway decent one, I figured, let's just take a break. And uh, they'll understand. The listeners will understand. Uh, I should say, my listener will understand. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um. So, I'm back. Got the show. Uh, let's see. I'm going to start... Well, I, 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 I can hear at least a couple of uh, my listeners. at least one that I know. Just got the thumb hung, hovering over the, the skip ahead button. Because, well, <laughs> I'm going to talk about baseball. Uh, I promise I'm going to keep it brief. All right, I promise. Because the World Series just wrapped up. And I uh, just wanted to give just a brief overview of what I thought of it. I, I, was, uh, I found it very entertaining. The team that I was rooting for won. That was the Washington Nationals. Uh, they played the Houston Astros. Now, the Houston Astros had the best record in baseball uh, from the regular season. They were, on paper, they looked like they were going to be uh, the favorite for this series to win. But uh, those, I mean, the Washington Nationals, they just, it's, it, they, were, they were a surprising team to me. They're a good team. And they were, on average, the oldest team of this season, and then, uh, at least in the postseason. Uh, and it was nice to see them win the World Series because the uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, has not had a World Series champion since 1924. Uh, Houston has not had a World Series champion since 2017. So kind of root for the ones that say, oh, they haven't had a World Series, and it's nice to see someone else win it, as long as it's not the hated Yankees. <laughs> it's good. It's good. And uh, so, so we thank the Houston Astros for beating the hated Yankees and, and uh, uh, moving on to the World Series. Uh, but I was very happy to see the, uh, the uh, Washington Nationals win. Uh the first in that franchise's history. Uh, and even yeah, I know. I said, well, you said Washington hasn't won a World Series since 1924. And I said, well, that's true. That was the Washington Senators. But that team, that Washington Senators team, moved to Minnesota in 1960, or at the end of the 1960 season, and started as the Minnesota Twins in 1961. Uh, then, shortly after that Washington Senators left Washington, a new team was introduced into the league, the Washington Senators, in Washington. And that team lasted there, f- I think, until 1969. I'm not sure what the first year was that they, they came into the league. Uh, but then they moved from Washington, D.C. down to Texas and became the Texas Rangers. Then, I think it was 2008, 2009, something like that. The Montreal Expos, who had been in the league for some time and never really did anything great, except for the 1994 season, they looked like they were pretty darn good. But then the strike ended that season, and then that never they, the Expos never quite got back to that kind of a team again. Uh, they moved to Washington, and, and that's and they became the Washington Nationals. And this was their first World Series win in that franchise history. So some folks, some fans up in Montreal, I hope we're happy to see this happen. There was one other thing about this World Series that set it apart from all the other 115 or so World Series as there have been since 1904. Uh, I think it was 1904 was the first one. Uh, This is the first time in in world series history and the first time in in uh if you include the sport of hockey and basketball uh, those are uh, sports that in their championship series have seven games A seven game series it's the first time any team that has a seven game series for a championship uh or any uh, any 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 championship series of seven games it's the first time that the home team lost every game in the series that means uh, this World Series it was advantage to the Houston Astros because they have the best record of the regular season the first two games would happen in Houston the next three games would happen in uh, in in Washington and then the final two games if needed would happen in in Houston so uh... The Nationals won the first two games in Houston. The Houston Astros won the next three games in Washington. And then the Washington Nationals won the next two games in Houston. It's the the road team won each game. It's uh it's it's just that's mind-boggling. It has happened in World Series history where the home team won every home game. Yeah, this is uh, that happened in oh well, 1987 and 1992. I mean, it may have happened in other se- other series, and that's the in a seven game series, a series that goes all seven games. Uh, those two years were the years that the Minnesota Twins uh, won the World Series. So it's that's happened, but this was the first time the road team won every game. It's astounding. So uh, congratulations to the uh, Washington Nationals. It was an entertaining series. It was a uh, surprising series. The Nationals came from behind in a couple of those wins. And it was, it was surprising. You know, you think it, it's just, it was a good series. I enjoyed it very much. Okay, so that's not, let's, not, uh, let's not belabor the point uh, anymore. So, uh, but uh, before I leave baseball, I have one other little thing.
1: And now it's time for a Dinland Radio Pedantic Moment. Yeah, this ought to be good.
0: Well, okay. This has to do with Game 5 of the uh, World Series. And that was the uh, the final game that would be played in Washington. Uh, In the second inning... In the top of the second, uh, a player for the Houston Astros named Alvarez—I forget his first name—hit a home run, and the so the home run goes out of the park, uh, goes just over the wall, and at the top of the wall, and then leading back are you know seats for the fans. Okay, so it goes out into the seats, and right there in the front row, you know the the the. the front row right just, just just on the other side of the wall was a fan returning to his seat. Uh, he's, he was a Washington Nationals fan. He's going back to a seat he has he has in, 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 he has a beer in each hand uh, he's, uh, I thought He had an interview later his wife had uh, he and his wife went up to get a bunch of concession, concessions and uh, and she had a bunch of some food and he had the two beers and he was carrying them back to his seat. And uh, uh, so he's got a can in each hand. Tall boys, 16-ounce uh, cans, I think that's what the tall boys are. And it's uh, Bud Light. And so beer should be kind of in quotation marks. Okay, it's really it's beer, but it's Bud Light, and yeah, it's not what I'm drinking tonight. Which, by the way, I'm drinking and drinking Summit Saga. It's an IPA. I really like the IPAs because I like a hoppy beer, and I started drinking the Summit. IPA and Summit is a, a local brewery here in the, in the Twin Cities. It's right there in St. Paul, so uh, that's kind of cool. So I, I I'm, uh, that's what I'm drinking as I'm doing the show. Just the one. Uh, anyway, so he, so okay, he's going to get back to his seat. He's got the two cans of beer, one in each hand. One of the cans, you can read the words Bud Light on it. All right. The home run is hit. The ball is heading out to the seats. It is heading right at the guy with the two beers. And he's he knows this. He sees the ball coming toward him, and so he has to decide what he's going to do. So what he does is he kind of straightens up. Uh, he holds his arms apart with a you know, can in each hand, and he kind of puffs out his chest a little bit and embraces himself. And the ball hits him in the chest uh, on his right side. And and, and the, the the guys calling the game after the home run had gone out and after the celebrations from the crowds and, the, and, the, and Alvarez makes, well, not the celebration from the uh, Washington folks, but the Houston folks that were there, they're celebrating. And the player comes around and, and then he's celebrating with his, with his team. Uh, Joe Buck, one of the guys calling the game, uh, notes, did you see the guy in the stands? With the, and so they they go back and they show him, and he makes some comment about he didn't spill a drop. John Smoltz, who is the uh, the former ball player, he's also calling the game. He's the he's the color guy. He's the one that gives the inside information about the game because he's played the game, and you know that's how they work it out. They have a guy that's a professional broadcaster, and then they have a, a, a former player. You know that's how they do it. And he does mention that, well, maybe he didn't continue to hold on to the beer. So here's where the pedantic moment comes in. There was a lot made of this, this guy holds the cans, didn't drop the cans. He didn't drop the cans when the ball's coming out. And it's true, he didn't. But he did go for the ball. And I, I will link to this uh, video on my show on the show notes page which you can get to by going to dimland.com click on the blog option you'll get to the show notes i will link to the video and they show him you know, he the ball hits his chest bounces down to the, the 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 floor in front of him and two people from from either side of him go for the ball as he's heading down you know, he's, he's, he's starting to bend down and reach down to grab for the ball as well. So his hands, with the beer cans in them, disappear behind the wall. And then, in a moment, he comes up with the ball in his right hand. His, and as he holds up the hand, a bunch of uh, beer, or um, well, liquid, fluid comes off of his hand. I'm assuming it's beer. And he stands up, and his hands are empty now he may not have dropped the, the cans in order to catch the ball but he dropped the cans in order to pick up the ball so it's a little it's a, yeah it's a little pedantic that i'm being it's it, i'm not trying to ruin the moment entirely but he didn't you know he, he wasn't you know say I, I i can't sacrifice these beers i mean the jokes are made you know so they're like 40 bucks a piece i mean you know that's a lot of money but uh, what did end up happening yeah, like I said, he dropped the cans when he went to get the beer. He got the ball. Uh, John Smoltz did mention that it looked like, well, it looks like he does eventually drop the cans. But, uh, okay, so I'll, you'll check out that video. But what came out of it, and I thought it immediately, and I'm sure people all over the country watching the game thought the same thing. Bud Light is going to make a commercial out of this. And they did. <laughs> By the final game, I'm sure, I think it was the final game, an ad comes up for Bud Light and it starts off uh, showing some scenes from the game and then it's uh, it's got some text going across the screen saying not all heroes are uh wear capes not all heroes wear capes and then they show the home run ball going out and they see the guy holding the beer cans and it bounces off his chest and then they you know they they just conveniently skip past the part where he's jumping where he drops the cans well, you don't actually see him drop him, but you know he—you know he dropped him. But you know they conveniently pa- pass by that, and then they show him later, you know, holding up the ball because he got it, and then they make some spiel to buy the beer. I don't know if the guy got cut, uh, you know, cut in on the take, you know, if he gets a little money out of that for being part of the ad. I don't know if there's any kind of uh, you buy a ticket to a ball game. If you end up on camera, you're buying that ticket to the ball game. You gave permission for you to be on a video, on you know. In some video footage, you don't get any kind of compensation, or we can't, you know, take you out of it or something. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if the guy got some money. I hope he did. Uh, he's very lucky, or fortunate, that he held the, the the one in the the beer can in his right hand. He held it in such a way where you could read that it was Bud Light. The other can in his left hand was turned. It was a blue can. You can see that it's the Bud Light blue, but you couldn't see the logo, but in the right hand you could. So, they some ad exec from Bud Light, you know, for the whoever runs the oh, I'm sorry, I kicked the table. Uh, whoever um, the ad agency is for that saw that and said, "Let's get that and make an ad out of it." I don't know if it'll be an ad that'll be played a lot, but it's it was uh, when it popped up on that in I think it was Game Seven. I'm pretty sure it was Game Seven when it popped up for that. I thought it was pretty cool. But he did drop the cans. He did. Let's see. What time is it? Okay, we're getting okay. Um, Inktober. I want to catch you guys up on Inktober. Uh, it's over now. Uh, it was 31 days of drawing something that was prompted by the Inktober group on uh, Facebook. There's a couple things I want to talk about about that particular this this month. Uh, I I was on time with every one of my drawings. I got them up each day except for the very last day, uh, which was yesterday, Thursday. I'm recording this on a Friday, uh, November first, All Saints Day. Okay. there you go, Saints, All Hallows Day. Okay, so anyway, um, I just I I couldn't get to it on Thursday. I, this was. I was like, I can't do two weeks in a row where I can't get to the show. <laughs> but I just. I, work got in the way of me doing my drawings, and uh, I got part of it done. But then I, I finished the rest of it today, and I posted it today on Facebook. I yeah I posted it, and uh, and ugh, it's good. To, it's kind of glad to be over. Uh, but it was um, uh, it was. I enjoy these drawing challenges. Uh, um, just to recap what I was doing. Um, it wasn't necessarily, it didn't have to be Halloween-type themes, it, but I decided to, for the most part, go with the Halloween-type theme. Uh, but then I also said, they're all going to be movie scenes. All of them, movie scenes. So And horror movies, if I can get them you know, to that. But I didn't quite, they weren't all horror movies. So, you know, some were, most were, not all of them. Uh, anyway, so I uh, I've got more to say about it, but what I'm going to do is going to take my break, uh, my first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return after this break. I promise. Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ZTalkRadio.com.
1: Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. If this station's not your cup of tea, huh? then drink coffee! 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 <laughs> <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news, 100% information, 100% guaranteed. Thought well, you might say
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I was talking about Inktober. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was not able to get the final drawing done on the final day of the month. Uh, it had to go up today. And uh, what that drawing was, uh, the prompt was ripe. And I used the scene from the, um, the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers it's an intriguing scene Uh, it came to mind uh, that uh, what I would use is if you've seen the movie uh, Donald Sutherland his character has uh, fallen asleep and that's when if the pod is near you uh, when when the person is asleep the pod will begin to generate the uh, replicant uh, your duplicate and so this this plant is there, and this pod is up in the up above him, and it begins to open up, and this body starts to come out. It's really a creepy scene, and I thought, well, that seems like it's ripe, <laughs> so that's what I drew. Um, I'll have to remember to put that on the show notes, so you can take a look at it. But as an an, an example of uh, of something that uh, was not a horror movie, there, there was a prompt on the on the twenty first. For treasure. Uh, and I went through my mind, what am I going to do? And almost immediately, the, the movie Treasure Island came to mind. The 1950 uh, Disney classic, Treasure Island. And when it, in, in doing this project, I would be finding some information about some of this uh, stuff that I'm drawing. And I'd uh, find out little mm, things that I might not have discovered about uh, this stuff if I had not been doing a drawing of them. Uh, I have another example of that coming up, but uh, first, Treasure Island, which is a really good movie. It's 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 good. It's fun for the whole family. Uh, it's very entertaining. It's a lash produ- uh, lavish production. Uh, it, it looks good, and it's it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And it was, uh, as I said, 1950. It was the first live-action uh, uh, feature film by Disney. Up until that point. Their feature films had been animated films, Snow White, Pinocchio. I think Dumbo was probably earlier than 1950. Um, so up until then, they'd all been animated features. But this was this was their first live-action feature film, and I think they did a nice job with it. And it's also it's it's it stars uh, uh, Robert Newton as Long John Silver. He's the he's the pirate. He's the pirate. He's the bad guy, and yet he's a good bad guy. And he's a guy that you like, and you, you you know you don't want him to get in trouble. And he befriends this kid Jim Hawkins, and uh, and betrays everybody on this on the ship as they try to find this treasure, and uh, and and but you still feel sympathetic to the guy, and he's in charge of all these pirates that uh, that uh, he got to. As part of the crew. You know they, they, take him, they take Long John on as, Long John on as, a, uh, on as a cook. And he, he says, I, I can get you a crew. And he gets the crew. Now, here's the thing about Robert Newton and Long John Silver and the movie Treasure Island. Do you know how to talk like a pirate? If you're talking like a pirate and you're going, "Arrr, Arr, Jim Boy! <laughs> anything like that. If you're doing that, you're doing Robert Newton. That's right. He's the one. He's the he is who he set the template. He is the originator. Now I don't know if maybe the source material of the book had some stuff that helped him along, uh, and some of the other pirates in the movie have a similar patois, if I'm using the correct word, uh, that um, that he has. But it's really it's Long John Silver. It's, it's when you are doing a pirate, you do the R, and it's not ARG, it's not ARG, it's R. A R R, not A R R G, H. <laughs> uh, it's just A R R. It's R. Okay, get it right. And uh, you know, it says, "Yeah, you wouldn't be lying to me now, would you, Jim boy, Jim Jim lad? Lively, lively. You know, it's all that. So that's that's all from Treasure Island. It's all from Robert Newton. So that's kind of cool. That this actor, I think he died young. He had a drinking problem." Uh, he played Long John Silver in two movies I'm not sure what year it was but uh, there was a sequel made that I think it was just titled Long John Silver so um you know I don't i I've, I've not seen that one but uh Treasure Island it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it uh, it's, uh, I'm sure it'll be on the Disney Channel on the Disney station or whatever it is uh, this Disney streaming thing that's launching in November this month uh, I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll be there. Uh, So anyway, so check it out. Anyway, so I did a drawing of uh, Long John Silver, which I think turned out pretty well. And it was greeted by, on Facebook, by, uh, at least on the Inktober page, by, eh, (laughs) as all my drawings were. Except for the one that I was the least, the least happy with. I did a scene, the prompt word was injured, and I did a scene from the movie uh, Misery. And it's the one where, if you've seen the movie, Kathy Bates plays an obsessed fan of uh, this writer, uh, played by James Caan, who writes uh, mystery no- uh, mystery novels. Yeah, and his uh, main character that he's created is a woman named Misery. I think that's her name. And uh, he decided to kill her off. And. Kathy Bates character learns of this. It's just it's 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 one of those. How did this happen? He gets in a car accident near where she lives, and she takes him in, and she knows who he is, and and she keeps him in this bed as he's recovering, and then he's getting a little too strong, and she decides to hobble him. Okay, and there's a scene where she puts a log between his legs, between at his ankles, and she gets a sledgehammer out. Yeah, it's a cringy scene. It's really, I remember going ew so I drew that but I wasn't really happy with the drawing it's, it it gets it captures it but it's not as good as some of my other ones but that one seemed to get one of the more reactions out of people I it, it just I was wow, great you know I did well I'm getting I'm building to the one I I did but okay all right you'll look at it and you'll tell me what you think but uh, this other one I want to talk about was for the prompt ancient and that was for the date of uh, of the twenty-third, and what came to mind for that one was uh, uh, in the movie *The Exorcist* from 1973. In the opening of that film, if you recall, if you've seen it, uh, where it, it the we're we're located in uh, in Iraq. There's an archaeological dig going on, and there's this there's this priest who's an archaeologist, and it's Father Marin. He's the exorcist. And uh, they come across some discovery, and they find this little figurine of a of a demon, and then they find a bigger one, just kind of standing there. And he sees it, and he turns, and, and that's it. Seems like the spirit just jumps from that statue that they find, and goes over and invades uh, young uh, young Reagan over in Boston, I think it is. I think that's where she is, or I think it's Boston. Anyway. And takes her over and then the film takes on from there. But um, in the scene where he's looking at the statue, uh, from my research, there probably weren't any statues for him. At least they never found a statue of him. They did find little figures of this particular character, this demon, but they never actually found a statue like they do in the movie. Uh, But okay, um, in the scene in the movie, and here I took the easy way out. Uh, there's a, there's a two shots that I found from this scene. One with Max von Sydow, who plays Father Marin, facing the camera with the statue behind him. And one with Father Marin facing the statue. I went with that one. <laughs> drawing the back of his head, wearing a hat, it was easier than drawing another face. So like I'm not, uh, you know. I've been I've done okay with some of these faces, but you know I I I just I want to do that one again. So I draw the statue. Now here's the thing about the statue. Learned of, of some stuff about this thing. Uh, the the statues of the demon Pazuzu. I think that's how you say the name. P A Z U Z U Pazuzu. Pazuzu. And he was a demon from uh, from the times of uh, Mesopotamia and Babylonian times. Uh, he was a demon that was in control of the west and southwest winds, and 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 those winds would bring famine and you know would bring drought and famine and death. And he was this he was a bad guy. But the beliefs in those days were that if you invoked a, a demon that was in charge of the thing that you're trying to have st- not happen, you might be able to get him to not. Do it. So if you pray to him and sacrifice things to him or whatever, offer things to him. And so Pazuzu, whenever he's depicted, now here's the thing about the the Inktober. For some reason, the Inktober participants, some of them, felt it was uh, uh, would be okay to draw um, some sex happening or. Some fairly graphic, frank imagery of uh, of uh, body parts, and the admin folks for the for the Facebook had to say, okay, you know, we we need to follow Facebook community standards. You know, you know, you know knock it off. You know, don't be drawing this stuff. Tastefully done nudes, naked women with their you know, with breasts, nipples being shown, that was fine, but there was one drawing where somebody, I think it was for the prompt, the word ring. And now don't ask me how I know this, but there's this thing called a daisy chain. And what it involves is a group of women uh, um, in a line or in a circle w- connected to each other in a way that uh, one woman is giving oral pleasure to uh, to 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 you know woman A is giving oral pleasure to woman B and woman B is giving pleasure to the same kind of pleasure to woman C and C goes to D and D goes to you know you know it alongs in a line or they do it in a circle and you can i you, you've got a brain and you can probably picture what that looks like well somebody drew that and posted it they drew it in a circle. It was kind of crudely done, but if I looked at it, I was like, seriously, really. I think that one got taken down. And then when the the admonishment went up, said, "Look, we can't be drawing, you know, the the body parts." You, you know, somebody took that to heart and said, "Okay, I won't draw the body parts." So what they did was they drew sex acts. Um... But what they would do would they wouldn't draw. You know, there was uh, uh, again with the oral sex. There was a there was a uh, it, uh, it was fairly androgynous, whether it was female or male giving the pleasure to another male. You know, but, we, but it, so instead of drawing the erect unit, uh, what the artist did was used uh, hand gesture and mouth gesture and negative space to suggest the member being uh, shown it wasn't I didn't draw it look I didn't draw it but you know you, you know what it is and then there was another one uh, done by the same artist that uh, was of a of a, of a female uh, pleasuring herself. Again the area was only indicated by line. you know just the outline of thighs but the rest was the hand the you know, the hand in a gesture and you you could figure out what was going on there actually the two illustrations were really well done <laughs> and could be art displayed in a gallery with you know erotic art that they, they were well done but why <laughs> why so people kept drawing you know tools in some of this art so i finally had a chance to uh, put my johnson into the into the art, uh, not mine specifically, but my drawing of one uh, into the uh, into the inktober, and uh, so it, and that was because the demon Pazuzu is depicted uh, with a you know with his manhood usually in you know in you know full mast uh, you know with uh, with a serpent around it sometimes the serpent is the wang sometimes the serpent is just uh you know draped around mr happy so um and i discovered this when i was drawing this particular uh example from the movie which i again i don't think it's an actual statue i think it's a prop very well made and what we see in the drawing and you'll see this on the show notes page is um uh, the Pazuzu is drawn where his face is. I guess it's kind of a grotesque dog face, or uh, to me it looks more like a monkey. But you know, some kind of grotesque face. Uh, the top half of the body is more or less human. It has four wings that show, that that shape into an X behind his back. Uh, the lower half of the body, the legs, uh, generally have scales on them. they they're 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 bottomed with uh, talons uh, like eagles talons instead of feet and um, wrapped around at least in the in the, oh and the the hands the right hand is always depicted in an upward position and the left hand is always predict uh, shown in the lower position and usually I think with the palms facing forward so this serpent or snake that's wrapping it wraps its way around the uh, the right leg and comes in between the thighs and comes up and around and hangs off the choo-choo uh, or turns into it. And, uh, now, and so I'm drawing, you know, I, I'm working on it and I'm drawing the Jägermeister thing. And, uh, and I noticed that, uh, I'm looking closely at this now. I did not notice this in the movie, but uh, while I'm drawing this, I'm noticing, oh, I see what's going on. The snake is wrapping around the pointer and its head is down here where the danglies would be, and so when you look at the drawing, you will you will note that that you will see that I've got the the snake wrapped around a rather uh, not detailedly drawn uh, fish finder. Uh, you will you'll see it there. Um, I, I it's I I I try, I did it tastefully. Hopefully nobody took it down. Uh, I, I I don't know if it was in violation of the standards, uh, you know, not showing a bedtime pal in a drawing or uh, anything like that. But uh, you know, uh, see, so yeah. So uh, you can go and check out Mr. Good Sausage if you like um, at uh, um at the de- at the show notes page. <laughs> okay, one. Let's see if it's time for my next break. Not yet. Got a couple minutes. Okay. So the next drawing that I wanted to mention about. Now I'm building to this little thing here. I talked about the Misery one that I did. And I wasn't too thrilled with it. But it seemed to get a decent reaction from people. People commented on it and, uh, and that. Well, I had uh, the prompt for uh, the 26th was the word dark. And, I, you know, what the movie that came to mind for me there was uh, the movie Frankenstein from 1931 the original Frankenstein Universal film uh, with uh, Boris Karloff playing the monster and if you recall if you've seen it there's the it's the first uh, scene or section of the film where we see the monster after it's been animated and walks he walks backward through a door turns around, and we get the close-up of his face, and it's really cool-looking, and he comes into the room, and uh, Dr. Frankenstein has, you know, he tries a little experiment with the monster, and he, he tells his, his uh, former professor, Dr. Waldman, he says, up until now, we've kept the monster, kept it, or him, in, in, dar- in darkness. So he says, oh, and he goes, "We'll try something." So he he turns this wheel, and up above there's like a skylight, that's uh, that's not a window. It's just like a it's like a trap door or something. And he he turns this wheel, and it opens it up, and light starts to come in from outside, and the monster stands up, and he reaches out up toward the light, and then and then Frankenstein closes the trap again, and the and he's it's dark again, and so the next thing we see is. It's Karloff as the monster. Uh, uh, this gentle hand gesture, his open hands uh, reaching out somewhat to to Frankenstein to you know give me back the light. That was great. Can I have that back? You know, and it's really this wonderful shot of the hands. And so I drew that. Um, and I, I tell you, I I I, I tried to do all of my my drawings within a rectangle that I draw first uh, I might have something pop out just to do the popping out of the frame thing here and there but this one you know I, I it's just I drew the, the 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 right hand too big uh, as I was working on it, I went oh my goodness it's'm I, am I gonna have enough page and I barely had enough page to get the left hand in there. it's right up to the edge of the page and I don't like doing that I like to have room. On the page, I'd like to have a border. Uh, so, and then in the film, you, the, the 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 pointing finger and the middle finger of the right hand don't ever actually come into the full into the frame of the of the of the film. They're always cut off by the by the frame. And so, I had my my wife come over and pose her hand, and I took a picture of it. So I helped me figure out what those two fingers are are doing and how to draw them. So I did this. This, this hand drawing it's hands two hands and I, I posted them on, on on the inktober page and it was greeted by a resounding that's eh. <laughs> like even if you can't figure out why I picked this particular scene to depict it dark couldn't you you know give me a little love for this is I mean if I say so myself this is the best drawing I did of the month these are these are nice hands. I did a nice job on them. Hands aren't easy to draw, so you know, a little something. And um, I did get I did from an, another artist uh, on my on my personal page when I I posted on there too. He remarked, he says that, that's he says you're very good, Jim. He says uh, hands are not easy. Lots of people, he says, myself included, have trouble with them. And he was, I said, you know, I thanked him for that compliment. I really do appreciate it coming from another artist because they know that. Something that the hands are difficult. The next hardest thing to draw uh, would be the feet. Feet are tough, because they're weird. And you don't spend a lot of time drawing feet uh, when you're growing up. You draw hands more often, so you're a little more familiar with them. And I, and I pride myself on being able to do a decent job on hands. Um, and I I think I did pretty well with it. But the misery drawing, that moved the needle more than my hands. I I don't know. Oh, well. My wife keeps telling me, you're not doing it for the likes, you're doing it for the practice, you're doing it for the challenge, and you're doing it, you know, because you like to draw. And so, okay, she's right, I do like to draw. Well, uh, I would like to also take a break. So I'm up to my second break, uh, which is the final break of the show. Uh, You know how that goes. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'm going to take this break, and I shall return. I promise. I mean it. I'll come back. Did a pretty good job on those hands. Just got to...
1: Z Talk Radio is committed to bringing you the best radio possible. We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once, and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your Healthy Addiction. Hi, I'm Darren McKee, one of the
0: hosts of The Reality Check. Each week, my co-hosts and I explore a range of controversies and curiosities using science and critical thinking. You can find us on iTunes, your favorite podcasting platform, and on Facebook by searching for The Reality Check or by following us on Twitter at TRC underscore podcast. Until then, keep an open mind, but not so open your brain falls out. Hey, I almost forgot. It's it's time for... It's quiz time on Dimland Radio. Everybody got your pens ready? Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question here. It's a multiple choice answer. Uh, can you name the person who said this? That's why I don't eat friggin' lobster or anything like that because they're alive when you kill it. Was that A. Mahatma Gandhi, B. Jane Goodall, C. Albert Einstein, or D. Snooky. This has been quiz time on Dimland Radio.
1: Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio.
0: Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. You know, it's not easy being a skeptic. Um, it's so often I hear something or see something and it's just my skepticism jumps up and says, Ugh. <laughs> It does that to me uh you know, d- this morning it's the day after Halloween and on the local morning news one of the anchors says something about uh you know, are you over the the sugar you know, sugar high or you know, are you crashing from the sugar high and it's uh, No, you don't. No, that doesn't happen. You don't get all energized when you eat a bunch of sugar. You don't, you know, there isn't a crash. This stuff doesn't happen. It's not, it's a myth. It doesn't happen. Oh, but the kids get so excited when you get, yes, they get excited because they're getting candy. They're at a birthday party and they're going to get cake. And they get excited. They're excited from the event, not from the sugar. They get the energy from the event, not from the sugar. It's 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 just it's it's a myth, and it's, so I, I see that and I just go, oh, God, you know, all right, just try to move on. It's just it's just that it just bothers me because I would like people to not, you know, to not continue to pump these ideas around, especially when they get to the bigger ideas, like you know like GMOs are bad and and vaccines cause autism, that kind of crap, right? I don't, you know, it starts small and, and, and it's consequential, but it's just, well, if you let that one go, then you let the next one go and you let, you know, and maybe I'm arguing slippery, slippery slope, but no, you got to nip this crap in the bud, right? All right, so, you know, okay, fine. So there's that. And then I was listening to this podcast. Uh, it's a new one. My wife, it's, well it's been around for a while but it's new to me and it, my wife suggested it to me it's called uh, small town dicks and as in detectives okay uh, not as in stuff that's getting drawn on inktober that doesn't seem necessary no uh, no it's um, it's a true crime podcast but this one is a little different in that the uh, the host or hosts interview uh, detectives who are actually involved in the work on you know some crime. And uh, how they investigated it, how they you know collected the evidence, what was the crime, what what did they see, what you know how did they work through it, what was the resolution, that kind of stuff. And it's very interesting, and it can get very dark and very bleak. Uh, the host uh, it started off with two hosts, two women hosting the show, but now it's just down to the one. And the host is Yardley Smith, who is the uh, woman who does the voice for Lisa Simpson on the Simpsons uh, television program. It may be spelled Yeardly, but it's Yardly. I guess that's how she pronounces it. So uh, so she she has uh, two detectives that are regulars. that are also hosts, I guess. And they're a, f- a couple of fellows who are identical twins. And they're both police detectives. And one works uh, different kinds of crimes than the other one works. Uh, but then they bring in... Detectives uh, and police officers from around the country, and they examine certain crimes that got uh, worked on by these fellows, and and how they were resolved. And again, it gets pretty dark. On a very early episode, second episode maybe uh, of the series, I'm listening to it, and. A detective says that uh, you know he gets called in on this particular crime, and it was a night where he didn't have to work, but he's on call, as detectives are on call almost all the time, I guess. It was one or two in the morning when he gets the call, and he says that you know before he got the call, he just thought that that night he was going to get called in. He just had a feeling. And I rolled my eyes. I went, yeah, right. It, yeah, yeah. You, have, you probably have that feeling more often than you re- recall hearing it. It's just that this was one time when your feeling was correct. It was one time. You know this. This I hear skeptics talk about it. I, I, I have not taken a class in st- statistics, and I maybe should have. I would have liked to, I suppose. But um, I hear I read it in Skeptic magazine and Skeptical Inquirer I hear it on skeptical podcasts to listen to. That people, there should be a course in statistics for high school kids so that they can learn that you know the probabilities of stuff and, and stop thinking this is some kind of magic. You know, it's something that is said that would happen to a person. It would be a million, you know, million to one chance that that would happen to a person. You know, whatever it is that happens to some person, and would, a million to one. And let's say that number ratio is correct, that it really is a num, uh, one million to one that it would happen. Well, in the United States, there where there might be what 350 million people, 370 million people, a million to one thing would happen could happen 350 or 370 times a day. You know, that's still not a lot considering 350 million people, 370 million people, however many there are living in this country. and I mean, you extrapolate that to the entire planet, it's still still a fairly small number, but it's it's a bigger number than you might think. When you say one in a million, well, one in a million happens 350 times in the United States in a day because there's that many people living here. So it's you know, it's not a completely out of question. And of course he's forgetting all the times that he had that feeling that something was going to happen and and then and it didn't. But he remembers the times where I'm going to get that call. I just, I'm going to get that call. He remembers the times that he got it, forgets all the times he didn't. And I just I roll my eyes, but I I don't say anything. And then 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 one of the hosts says Is that something that detectives develop over time, a sort of a a sixth sense about when they'll get the call? And uh, luckily, I think the guy said, I don't know, or I don't think so. But it just was like, no, don't, why would you ask such a stupid question? I'm sorry to say it was a stupid question, but it was. No, there's, there's, no, it's, there's no developing this. This is just, it just happens and they just remember the times. Now, it is possible. That they watch the late evening news and that maybe there's a breaking story about a murder in, in town and they thought, oh, well, eh, I'm probably going to get called in on that one. Or maybe they got the police radio on and they hear you know the code numbers and they hear chatter on the police radio about a murder and they think, oh, eh, I bet you I'm going to get called in on that. Well, that's having a little prior knowledge. The out of the blue, come on. It's just confirmation bias. That's all it is. And then I was listening to another podcast, one I really, really do like. It's Dana Gould's podcast, the Dana Gould Hour, which is always longer than an hour. And he just posted his Halloween special, which is almost four hours long, where he interviews people and they have discussions about things, and it's, it's, it's kind of cool. And he was, he was talking to this actor named Jeffrey Combs, who had, started, he had been in several Star Trek episodes, uh, Deep Space Nine and other Star Treks. Um, but he's he he played Edgar Allan Poe in a one-man play on somewhere, and he knows a bit about Edgar Allan Poe, and uh, and they talk about you know, about Poe dying at the age of uh, thirty-nine or forty. Uh, Wikipedia said forty. the The actor said it was thirty-nine. So I you know somewhere around there. And uh, Edgar Allan Poe died in eighteen forty-eight. And Dana responds, 40 in those days was not terrible. And the actor says, a good long life. And I said, bullshit. (laughs) God damn it. This idea, the, the life expectancy. Yes, life expectancy in 1850. That was the closest data I could find on the, uh, I found it on the uh, University of Oregon site. The closest uh, year, 1950, 1948, couldn't have been that much different, was from birth. Life expectancy was about 38 years. Okay. From birth. All right. Then they give you these other options. I'll link to this on the show notes, and you'll, you, can, you can see this for yourself. They give you other options on the page that I got this information from. From five years of age, life expectancy from, when if you attain the age of five years, life expectancy from that point might be about 53, maybe 54. I'm 54. That's if you make it to five years. If you make it to 20 years, it improves a little bit. Uh, you could your life expectancy then moves up to 58 or so. If you make it to 40 years, which was what Poe was or 39, close enough for between friends, his life expectancy at that point would be 66. That's well short of <laughs> you know I, I mean I mean dying at 40 is that's that's too young. It's well short of 66. It's well short of 53 if we just go by making it to age 5. But it's it it's plenty it's it's a year past or two past uh, where he would have gotten from birth to surviving birth. And if you made it to 60, if you made it if a man made it to 60 in 1850, his chances of expectancy would go to 72 years. So, I, you know, I just, I always, I've talked about this before on the show, and it just bothers me the way this, that they have this notion that, that people who were 40 years old in 1848 were considered to be old. If you, were, if you were 15, if you were 10, yeah, you'd consider them to be old. But if you were 35 and you knew somebody who died at age 40 in 1848, you know what you'd be saying? That's too young. You know what you'd be saying now? That's too young. It's it, You say it now, you say it then. It's too young. There were old people around in 1848. People in their 60s and 70s, maybe even in their 80s. There were old people around. You didn't see the dead babies around. You didn't see the dead five-year-olds. You looked around, the people who were, who were living, and you saw old people. You, you did not think that, oh boy, I'm thirty eight, I'm getting close to my end of my life. You didn't think that way. You would you were still expecting to make it into your seventies, probably. Well, my dad did, now, like you know, or into my sixties at least. You still figured you got that much time. It's just this this notion that oh well that's a you know, he lived to be forty, that's a good long life. It's just bullshit. And I and I it just it really bugs me <laughs> when when I hear that kind of crap on, a, uh, you know, on a podcast or on TV or something like that, so when I was listening to the podcast that uh, my wife suggested for me, The "Small Town Dicks," and that happened, I just first the guy says something about you know being intuitive about hearing uh, getting a phone call that night, I just rolled my eyes. But when the guest or the host asked the question about do they develop this sixth sense, I just oh come on, and Amy says. What and I explained it to her, and she said to me, "Can't you enjoy anything?" <laughs> I said, "Well, yeah, I can enjoy stuff, but I just, you know, I want people to think more critically." <laughs> I just, it's a dumb question, and, and it just and it bugs me. And she says, well, you know, she wants me to, to, <laughs> to be able to enjoy something. No, no, can't you enjoy anything?
1: Good night. Our doctor. Good night, proud looker.
0: <laughs> well, I can enjoy the end of a show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've gotten to the end of this one. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Doctor Dimfit Simmons, and I'm reminding you all to be skeptical and that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And yes, I can enjoy things and remember to sleep with the lights off. has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network.
1: And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks for Thanks. tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people.
0: My life, you're clever, Dim. He'd certainly taken me in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, Well, I'm going going to to hell.